This is Being Human. I'm Richard Atherton, Lizette Sutherland, remote working guru. Welcome. I prefer champion. Champion. Yeah, guru sounds so, I don't know, just sounds bigger than, larger than life. I'm just like super enthusiastic. Okay. <laughs> super, I'm kind of imagining a, a Labrador or something. <laughs> <laughs> a Labrador? I wouldn't have expected that. Okay, yeah, sure. A Labrador. Remote working Labrador. Great. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, from your TED Talk, what we, we must fist bump. And for people who are just on audio, you'll just have to... See how fun it is? <laughs> yeah, people think it's weird until you do it. And then you get used to it and you think, yeah, that's cool, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That's right. Okay, Lizette, thank you for joining us. And let's see... You are a remote working uh, enthusiast. So tell us where it all started for you. What, what got you into this remote working specialism? Um, about 15 years ago now, I worked for a company in Los Angeles, California, and the CEO of the company didn't want to die. And he was a friend of mine, and we went hiking together every Sunday. And one day after one of the hikes, we were sitting around his pool. It sounds very fancy, but it's Los Angeles, like everybody has a pool. And uh, we're sitting around his pool, and he's talking about how annoyed he is that longevity scientists uh, cannot share the or weren't sharing data and solving the problem of aging now i have to say that uh, the hiking group that we belonged to it was called hike the geek and it was a group of just self-proclaimed really smart people and they let me in because i'm a girl right so then i could just get like free entrance and uh and so uh we would go hiking and so all a bunch of people in the group were really into cryonics and uh living forever and just living as long as possible calorie restriction all of these kind of crazy things and, um, and so we were sitting around and he was like, I'm frustrated. We've got all this great information. Nobody's talking to each other. So I'm going to build this online project management tool and we're going to solve the problem of aging. And I was like, wow, sounds crazy. And then he asked me event, you know, a few months later, he asked me to be on his team. Uh, and I just, I mean, I couldn't say no. For me, that was the starting point because my mind was like, oh my God, think of what we could do if you could get the right people talking to each other and what's in the way of the right people talking to each other. We could all sharing. live forever. Right, right. Those who wanted to. I mean, there's tons of people that don't want to and fine, you know, I like that everybody has fine, to- Fine, fine, die. Yeah, fine. If you want to die, then go ahead and die. But for me, I want to like, if there's even a 0.000001% chance that it's possible to not die, I would like to take that chance. So I thought, why not? But for me, it was really just inspiring. He was really serious about it and he was really passionate about it. And uh, unfortunately, the company went out of business. So, and uh, he's still, well, he's still alive. So that's good. So we could still solve the problem. But I started talking to other companies who were also working remotely to see what were the best practices and tips, mostly because my job at the time was to research all the competition for his online project management tool so that we would know what are the what are people building what are what do the tools look like and so i just got into it and just didn't i didn't know in the beginning how exciting how excited i would be but i ended up yeah being overly excited about it and then when i had all this information i thought oh what am i going to do with it and so that's where the book came into play and the workshop came into play it's just all the information gathering from the interviews is trying to make sense of it for other people okay and 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 from what I understand as well, you, you, part, your opportunity to really test out all of this was touring with a band. 
Yeah, indeed. That was, a, I always forget, like the weird path I took to get here. Indeed, while working for that company, my favorite band, one of the guys from my band that I had met earlier on tour, I was like 23 when I met him, I think, or 21. It was crazy. And uh, we just became friends instantly. And one day out of the blue, I get a call from a Dutch number and I pick up and it's Niels. And uh, we're still friends to this day. And yeah, he asked if I want to go on tour with them. And after I finished hyperventilating, I... I was like, yeah, of course I want to go on tour with you. I mean, there's no way I was going to say no. There's no way. So I went to my boss and luckily he was just like, yeah, we have the capability. Here's a mobile router. Make sure you get your work done. That's all I ask. And I was like, I'll do whatever it takes. And really, I, w I did whatever it took. And it was hard because at the time, internet wasn't as ubiquitous as it is now. And so, you know, you're driving around the United States in a van with five other people with a mobile router that only works when you're somewhat near a city, which if you've ever driven in the U.S., you know that there are vast distances between yeah. cities there. So, yeah, it was difficult because internet connection was dropping in and out. The mobile router wasn't all that great. But, I mean, I just did my best. I just worked really hard. So it was a, yeah, it was the best time of my life. I got to say that was the best because during the day, you know, you're typing and you're working with the team and answering questions and doing everything you can. And at night you're playing rock star merchandiser with your favorite band. I mean, it was really a, a magical time because who gets that opportunity, right? Like your favorite right. band. Yeah, yeah. Right. it was great. And, and who, were, who were the band? They're, nobody knows them really, except for like, it's a weird subgenre of music. It's called, they're called the legendary pink dots. And the best way to describe them is like a modern day Pink Floyd, even though they're not that modern. I mean, they're all in their 50s and 60s now. Um, but yeah, they have over 400 albums out. So they've been, wow. make, yeah, they've been making music since the late 70s. And I've been a big fan since I was a teenager. And I'm still a big fan to this day. <laughs> so yeah. A modern day Pink Floyd. I used to love Pink Floyd. They were good to um, get high to. For sure. Team. For sure. <laughs> Way back when, right? No, not, not now. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. The legendary okay. Pink Dots are also in that, in that vein. Uh, Self-proclaimed legendary. So that's part of their title, is it? The legendary Pink Dots. Right. Self-proclaimed. Indeed. Indeed. But, you know, there's a whole genre of people. There's a whole group of people that just are slavish fans that buy everything. Mm. Yeah. And you sold them. <laughs> Yeah, I sold them. Actually, I was the perfect merchandiser, I've got to say, because people would come up to the table and say, I really liked the album any day now. What else would I like? Because there's 350, at the time, there was 350 albums. And I was like, oh, if you like any day now, here's the other five CDs that you've got to have. Like, this is this style. And, you know, so they would say, oh, okay, I liked, uh, you know, four days. And I was like, oh, if you like four days, you got to get these. So I was really the perfect merchandiser because I was the biggest fan. So I knew everything. Mm. Well, and that tells me how early you were into remote working, if you were selling CDs. Oh, yeah, exactly. I didn't say eight tracks. That would have been a different story, right? <laughs> you must have been at the cutting edge of all of this. <laughs> Indeed. Okay, yeah. So I've been, so we're getting definitely for people, and the other feedback I've had from this podcast is give us, give us some actionable, actionable stuff, Richard. So we'll definitely get towards oh. the end of this towards actionable things. I'm going to ask you those questions. But I just wanted to play devil's advocate a bit in terms of remote working. So I was doing some research and so on. And there's one study I saw where they were saying, well, remote working is good, but not too much of it kind of in moderation. There's a bell curve too little and it's not good for productivity and innovation too, too much remote working. And it's not good for productivity and innovation. I saw something else that was saying, well, it's good for productivity, but it's not so good for innovation that really requires in person. So, so where do you stand in this debate? 
I mean, I hate to be vague about it, but it actually depends on the company and it depends on the phase of the company. I've also heard like for startups that are just starting out and they're just need to ping ideas and brainstorm and be like, they, they probably need to be in the same room together. I think it's possible to do everything virtual, but it takes special kind of people in order to do that. Like if you're at the startup and you're in the brainstorming phase and you need to be online and working together, you can do that virtually, but you have to have a rock and setup in order to do it. And you have to have really committed people in order to do it. And I think that's the problem is once you get over a certain stage, how, you know, in the, in the beginning, for instance, you've got five people and they're like, yeah, let's do this. But when you get up to 30, 35 50 people, are all of those people going to be in the same rah, rah, let's do this stage? Like it's a pretty rare event that that happens. And so then, yeah, being in person is great. Um, there's other times that it's good to be in person. I mean, a lot of people don't like working remotely 100% of the time. They would prefer, most people prefer a hybrid schedule of some days at home and some days in the office because they want to be around their colleagues, but they need time to focus where they can actually really, you know, take the time to focus. So Yeah. It depends on the person and the company and the style of, of work. So yeah, it's not for everybody at all times, but if you need to do it, then you got to come to, then come to me or get my book and, uh, and then do it and then rock it. Okay. Yeah. And, okay. So, and, and what is your message in terms of the, the key commitments then that, that a company needs to make or an individual needs to make to really have it work? Well, one is having a super solid, very fast internet connection, like at least 20 megabytes per second, at least. And it's funny because I was in the Nordics uh, for the last couple of days and I was saying it, but in the Nordics, everybody has awesome internet. But if you go to Germany, for instance, or Argentina, the internet's pretty bad, surprisingly bad in Germany. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, if if you have a bad internet connection, you're kind of doomed because you need the bandwidth for the video, for the tools that you're using, the screen sharing, all the stuff. So one is great internet. And then the other is great equipment, have a noise canceling headset, have a quiet space to be, have a, a good web, good quality webcam. You know, if you're using conference room equipment, have really good conference room equipment, you know, get rid of the old spider phones where you're leaning over like, Hey Bob, it's Lisette, like get rid of that and get yourself and, uh, and also get rid of Skype for business. Anybody who knows me knows I'm a huge Skype for business hater. And that's because it's the worst video conferencing tool out there. So get rid of Skype for business, get rid of the old spider phone and get some good equipment. And then the, the other advice is that turn the video on. People hate turning the video on, but uh, I mean, the only thing I can say is like, get over it, get over it. We're in the age of video. If you want to collaborate remotely, there's nothing like seeing each other. There's nothing like it. Exactly. But actually, when you say that, what comes to mind is people don't come to the office and say, I'm sorry, you can't see my face today. Yeah. Or like, sorry, I'm in my pajamas. Right. It's just having a bad hair day. I'm just going to wear this sack if you guys don't mind. Like nobody does that. And I think the same online, like be a professional. Like, okay, if you're in your pajamas, that's great. But put on a shirt. Like put on a, it doesn't take much. It's not, it's not hard. But I think what it is, is people don't like seeing themselves on video. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's also solvable. I mean, on Zoom, which is what we're using right now, you can, I can hide myself if I want to. Um, if I find it distracting. I know I work with Pilar Orti from Virtual Not Distant quite often, and she doesn't like seeing herself on video. So that's fine. That's a solvable problem. But for your colleagues, they do like seeing you on video. So that's, that's a big thing. And a lot of people just don't like it. But you know, if you're going to work remotely and you want to build the team and you want to have camaraderie, turning the video on is like the number one thing you can do. Right. Okay. 
Well, and that brings me to this question around science, actually. So to what extent have you, because it sounds to me like your, your level of enthusiasm is such that you believe with the right setup, it may be possible to emulate 100% potentially a physical environment. I mean, oh, for sure. Okay, so that I, I would yeah. suggest it's quite potentially quite a bold claim. And, and is there science to suggest now that we're getting close to that point with the tech? Uh, I, I mean, I don't know what the science says. All I know is the, the 200 companies that I've interviewed. Right. right? So, and also the tools that we're using and experimenting with. And, uh, and what I can say is there are great tools like uh, Sococo is a virtual office. Mm. So it's an office that you go to online and you can see where your colleagues are. You don't always hear them unless you're in the same virtual room with them. Um, but, you know, that's one way of simulating that. There are, there's robots, the telepresence robots, where actually if you need to have a physical presence in the room, but you can't actually be there, you can beam into a robot and have a physical presence. Virtual reality, I mean, that's the next step is virtual reality. And there are, all, there are already virtual reality tools for remote teams. One is made by Doghead Simulations, for those that are interested in that. But the problem is, is that the tech is moving faster than people's habits. And so we're still, people are still having, struggling with video conferencing meetings. I mean, we're still just struggling with basic online meetings. And the idea of people going to a virtual office or using telepresence technology is like, you know, we're years from that, even though it's been around for a while. So yeah, it's, um, yeah, I think it's 100% possible. People just don't know what the tools are. That's what I'm finding. And, um, and the behavior around the tools, like not turning the video on and these kind of things, we're still, the habits still need to catch up. But yeah, I do believe it's possible only because I've lived it and I've interviewed tons of companies that have done this. I mean, for instance, I'll just tell you the story of Arloop. It's one of my favorites. A guy on Reddit hears about uh, Elon Musk's SpaceX Hyperloop uh, project and he wants to enter the competition. Now the Hyperloop is a super fast transportation system that takes a commute from seven hours and squeezes it into 30 minutes. So, I mean, it's like a, you're, you're being shot through a gravity tube, not an easy problem to solve. This guy posts in Reddit on an online platform, most people know Reddit, um, and he posts into the subloop or the, the Hyperloop subreddit says, hey, I'd like to build this, does anybody wanna join me? You know, one year later, they have a team of 400 remote volunteers from all over the world who have never met, and they come in fourth place in the competition. So, yeah, it's possible to do really complicated, crazy things online. I mean, that's a startup situation. That's a startup situation with volunteers. So people are coming and going, and there's no fixed role. There's no official CEO. There's just a guy who says, hey, I have an interest in this project. Does anybody want to join me? And they made it happen. Mm. So... Yeah, just have to have the right. You have to have the right uh, mindset and skill set and tool set. I think that's the three, the, the magic combo. I guess a bunch of tech enthusiasts who inhabit Reddit are going to have a lot of those in place. For sure. I mean, it's the right combination, right? It's totally the right combination. So, but the thing is, is that you know, okay, yes, it can sound really complicated. And, oh my God, they're building a hyperloop, but. Uh, for the rest of us, just normal people that have no idea even how to start building a Hyperloop, it's, uh, it's not that hard to work remotely. It's not like it's rocket science by any means. You know, you just have to do a few things. It's just that people don't do it. And I always find that um, I'm always a bit mystified by that because, for instance, um, I have the Work Together Anywhere workshop. And during that workshop, I go through four sessions with people online. We spend like eight hours together online. And then I do a 30-day check-in with people. 
So, okay, 30 days later, what did you try? What, what worked? What didn't work? Like the, the explosions are the, the best. But 30 days later, I would say 90% of the people that have taken the workshop haven't tried anything. And I'm like, why did you even come to the check-in? And they're like, oh, because it's fun. And we, you know, we wanted to like say hi. And I'm like, okay, well, it's great that you like me, but like, I want you to do your, like what you said you were going to do, like try stuff right. out. So I don't, it's, it's, I don't know how to, how to bridge that gap, to be honest, of people knowing what they need to do, but actually doing it. I guess if somebody knew how to solve that problem, uh, they'd be very rich. Cause I mean, how many, uh, how many weight loss books are there out there in the world, right? How many ways can you say eat less and move more? Right. I mean, <laughs> so, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the account of, yeah. Accountability is, is always the, the most important step in any of it. Well, in, in anyone trying to change any type of habit, like, yeah. who, who's going to have you accountable and how is it you're going to ensure you get into action? Yeah. I mean, that's the, the fundamental questions right so if anybody knows how to solve that then uh <laughs> go get rich really <laughs> yeah no i can see that and, and certainly my experience with i mean sometimes you'll find an enthusiast within it when i've worked with clients and and uh and i wanted to work from home <laughs> and i've said beam me in and and sometimes you know, they'll be like, like an enthusiastic who will walk me around a workshop you know as, as a, with an ipad and it, it's a lot of fun but i suppose it's it's that permeating through the culture such that people yeah. do that as a matter of course is, is the, I guess, the challenge in a lot of organizations. Yeah. And I always say, start with your champions. When companies come to me, they're like, oh, should we train everybody? And I'm like, oh, I would love that because cha-ching, you know, like bring it on. I'd love to train your whole company. That sounds great. But it's not realistic. So I always say, find your champions, the people who are genuinely enthusiastic about this, bring them to the workshop and then have them spread that enthusiasm sort of naturally mm -hmm. because they want to make it happen. And if they can show others how easy it is and how to emulate the behaviors, then, uh, then it's gold for the company. Yeah. Yeah, no, I can see that, and I, but I can and I can see the big blocker is that often it's the it's the IT department. Funny enough, because you know they're not gonna they're, they're, you know they're gonna mandate you use business for Skype, or they're not gonna or you're not gonna have your personal budget to go out and buy some tech to to improve your life. You know, everything's got to be sanctioned through the central IT place. I mean, that's often the reality for for big corporations, right? Yeah, that's true, and yeah, and I've gone in. I've there are many IT departments that dislike me very much because I've gone into the company and I've said, listen, if you want to work remotely effectively and be productive, you've got to get rid of Skype for business or train your, t train your employees on how to use it and somehow make it happen. Because I do a poll during every presentation that I give about how much people like Skype for business and 80% of the people hate it. Like not even just dislike it, but actively hate it. 80%. That's like your whole company. Right, right. Get, okay. get rid of it. I know it comes with Microsoft 365, and I'm not a Microsoft hater. I think, it's a, I think it's a fine system, absolutely fine. But for some reason, Skype for Business is just a terrible cancer in their system. And I just think people just cut it out and go invest in a real tool like Zoom. And uh, I'm, I don't get any money from Zoom for saying it. It's just that they're very good. Okay, right. So bad Microsoft. I, I, what makes me smile is the article you were quoted in in the New York Times was sponsored by Microsoft. I know. If they only knew, if they only knew. At some point, somebody's going to find out and be like, you've got to stop talking crap about us. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, okay. Well, as soon as your tool is great, I'd, be, I'd love to praise you. Like, right. Yeah. What I don't understand, and I'll go on a just mini rant here, is 
they've got all the best engineers, right? Like Microsoft, they've got, they've got some of the best talent in the world and lots of money to make it happen. What is going on? They're smart people. They're not dumb people. They're really smart people working on this. I just don't understand. Okay. So anyway. Yeah, no, no, good, good anti-Microsoft rant. I'm sure there's plenty of anti-Microsoft people in the audience. Um, <laughs> so I just want to come back briefly again to something I read about IBM and the IBM experience with remote working. And I know that, that so there was a nickname going around apparently at the height of remote working IBM, that IBM stands for I'm by myself. Oh, <laughs> because oh. People, because people began to feel so isolated working from home. So, I mean, productivity, innovation aside, what about, what about this, this sense of isolation that people can feel? And I know a few people who work from home full time, and, and often that's the case, that they can feel isolated. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's probably one of the number one complaints about working from home all the time. Um, there's a couple of ways to solve that. One is I really recommend virtual offices for people who, who do that. I run a virtual co-working group myself with Pilar Orti. And we, I mean, I'm at home alone in my office, but I'm an extrovert mostly. I'm an ambivert actually, but I do like being around people. And so this virtual office really makes me feel like somebody's present in the room. And so that's one way of solving it, to feel like your colleagues are around. The other way is- And, and well, what's this virtual office for people who've not heard of that? What's that? A virtual office. Um, it's, it's basically an office that you go to online. When you log in, you see a floor plan with a whole bunch of different rooms and you see avatars of your colleagues that are logged in. So you can walk in, I can go to the open workspace, for example, just like if I were in a co-working space, I could go to the open workspace and just sit down at a table and people will stop by and stop by the room and come and say hello and turn on their cameras. Or um, I can go into the focused room so people know not to bother me, like, hey, I'm focused on something. So really, unless it's really important, please don't bother me. Or right now I'm in a private meeting room. So people know I'm having a private meeting. So the, the rest of the people that are in, I can see that there's a few people in the open workspace and somebody's in the kitchen even. So it's, it's just a, it's a, so it's what, a way. What, what the hell do you do in a virtual kitchen? Yeah, I go into the kitchen if I'm cooking lunch or something or if I'm cooking oh, dinner I and then I'll put myself right, in the you kitchen. You actually put yourself in the, what, and put your camera and show them you're, you're preparing no, vegetables off. What's interesting is that the camera's off unless you specifically say that you want it on. So usually it's just an avatar that's in, I can see that there's an avatar in the kitchen. So I know somebody's in the kitchen. It's Sue. She's in the kitchen. I'm assuming she's making dinner, I guess it's uh, depending on where she lives, but she's making a meal. And so I just know that she's preparing something and that she'll be back in the open workspace in a second. Oh, I see. And, and I suppose you could ping her and say, hey, what's cooking? Or, you know, yeah. interact with her, given you know her a bit more about her context. Yeah. And say, hey, like, stop, sta stop taking my lunch out of the fridge, girl. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it sounds really silly until you try it. And then it starts to feel really natural. Is there a, virtual, fact, a virtual toilet? We did used to have a, we call it, it was a WC, they say here, yeah, WC. We did used to have that. Yeah, bat, yeah, exactly, a bathroom. And I used to put myself in there, like I'd come home from running. So I'd go into the, like, I'm exercising, be right back room. And then I'd put myself into the, the bathroom when I was taking a shower. And then I'd come and join the open workspace when I was, when I was ready. It's a, I'm a bit over the top. Most people don't use a virtual office in that sort of detail. But because it's a, it's a fun virtual co-working space with my friends, then I, I feel more playful and I just try to be a bit silly. And we can all change the names of the room. So at the moment, there's a disco, there's a library, there's a lounge room. You know, it's just whatever people feel like. And it's a conversation starter. So I would say if you're feeling lonely, then a virtual office 
can be so much fun. You can have great asynchronous moments. You know, you're meeting people that you wouldn't have thought maybe that you'd bump into. I mean, you can accidentally bump into somebody online. In it a has happened. Absolutely. I mean, I was the other day, I was working on a project and I had my, I was in my virtual office, but I had it on one screen, but I was working on something physical on my floor with sticky notes and I was moving stuff around and doing, and I heard this deep voice going, hello, hello there. I mean, I jumped up. My heart was just like coming out of my throat. Like, oh my God, it just turns out. I thought somebody had come into my apartment. Like I literally looked to see who had, who had walked in the door. It turns out it was my colleague, Ralph, who had just come into my virtual office and turned on his microphone. So the, it's shockingly visceral. Mm, that's, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, because that, the defenders of physical workspaces say that one of the big reasons they want to keep people on site is for those moments, right? The water cooler moments. Exactly. Right? You bump into someone in the corridor, right? Exactly. You're saying that that can happen online. That's, that's it does happen. Yeah, it does, it does happen. happen. It's just you have to invest in the tool and you have to invest in people learning how to use the tool. Luckily, these tools are super easy. I mean, user interface, you know, in the last five years, tools have gotten so much easier. It's just a matter of doing it. And, and were you dragging your laptop around the house with you and sort of propping it up on the, on the, on the toilet? <laughs> no, 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 no. It doesn't come with me. I'm just out. I just go. It's really like the, my avatar is in the bathroom. My, I leave my avatar, but then I physically... Yeah. And I've got a webcam cover. So just in case I've left my video on somehow I have a webcam cover and yeah. But then you can hear it around the house, right? That's how you heard Ralph, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I just, my, my, uh, the, the microphone is always on. So not mine, but my speakers are always on. I should say my microphone is off unless I turn it on. My camera is off unless I turn it on, but the speakers are always on in case somebody comes into the room and just wants to talk. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, yeah. It sounds odd, but I would say if somebody wants to try it, go to virtualteamtalk.com and you can join us. It's free at the moment and uh, it's not that crowded. I'm super excited about it, but I'm like the only one. I mean, we have a group of about 10 to 20 people who share the virtual co-working space, but I thought it was going to be really popular. But, uh, I'm, you know, it's still early days, I guess. Well, yeah, I mean, you're starting to blow my mind a bit and I consider myself pretty, you know, tech savvy, bit an enthusiast. So, yeah, I get, you're right out there. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I've been, we've been doing this virtual co-working group for years now and so I've been going, it's like, yeah, it's normal, right? It's nothing totally happens. normal. It's like the first thing I do when I, when I get on, when I go to my, my real office in the morning, I turn on my virtual office, right. say hello to my colleagues. Yeah. <laughs> we have a cup of coffee together first thing and then I get to work. Right. Yeah. Okay. So what's the craziest thing you've done with your compatriots online? Virtual dance party. That was probably the weirdest, craziest thing that we've done is a virtual dance party. Yeah. My friend Jen, yeah, Jen DJed and the rest of us were like, okay, let's boogie. And of course she DJed to, I had to dance to Britney Spears and that was tough because as an old goth person, like Britney Spears is like nails on a chalkboard. Right. But it was just in the spirit. And then I got to DJ the next virtual party. So I got to do a little, you know, just something a little better, like Depeche Mode or something. Oh, the legendary yeah. pink dots. Did they? Oh, yeah, that one. <laughs> that's a bit too psychedelic, I think, for the normal. I wouldn't subject my colleagues to that. <laughs> I stuck to something more popular. Okay. Okay. All right. So let's, um, yeah, let's talk a little bit about, you know, you're a, you're a podcaster, you're a blogger, you do all of these, these workshops, you've got a TEDx talk. What's, what keeps you so productive? What are the daily habits you can share with people? And they may be virtual or not. 
Yeah, you know what's funny? I I mean, I love the virtual world more than anybody out there, probably. that I love the virtual world more than anybody I know, I should say, or anybody that I've met. Besides Agile Bill Krebs, that guy is a virtual world guru. If anybody wants to learn about virtual reality, that's the one. For so me- Say that again, Agile? Agile Bill Krebs. If you just Google Agile Bill Krebs, you'll, you'll okay. find him. He, yeah, uh, as in- Pincers crab, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, Krebs. No, K R E B S. Almost like like crabs. Krebs. Agile Bill Krebs. Okay. Um, so he's a virtual world guru. But for me, what I do is I have the Michael Hyatt full focus planner, and I don't get money from Michael Hyatt either. But this is, I mean, I'm a I'm a touchy feely tactile person, and so for my to do lists and all my productivity and my ideas, I need to have it. I like to write it on paper. And I used to have all these virtual tools and then found that I was writing it on sticky notes and then transferring it to the virtual tool. And then sometimes I would end up with these pile of sticky notes and I just couldn't manage it. And so this planner helps me set my goals. I review my weeks every week. I, I have like my big three that I, my big three tasks for a week that I really want to get through. Um, and it just helps me keep focused in, in the direction of the goals that I set myself. So you get one of these full focus planners every quarter and there's a, you know, there's like daily daily lists mm. and weekly reviews and it just works for me and you don't have any of that stuff online you, your to-do list it's all physical right? i have to drag this book everywhere i go in the world yeah it's a bit it's a bit heavy i gotta say but okay it's burning calories right at the same time i'm getting <laughs> fit dragging this book around you know I th the thing that i always tell people with all tools is you've got to work you've got to use what works for you and your team so this planner this works for me it's the first thing that's really ever really worked for me. And that's what keeps me productive and focused during the day. Right. And what's special about it then? I mean, you, you showed it, it's a, it's a, it's a book, it, you know, what, what's particular about it that helps? Um, what I like is you start it, you start out by setting, what are your goals for the, the quarter? And then what are your goals for the year? And so then you take your quarterly goals and you break them down. And I mean, it's just a matter of breaking it down. So I think what's special for me is, Every day I've got my daily big three. I can show people here. Every day I've got like three things I've got to do during the day. And then it just gives me places to write down notes and just track stuff. So not great for recurring tasks that, you know, you keep having to do. Not, but I don't know what it is about this book that really works, but it does. And what I like about it especially is the weekly reviews. It's like the retrospective of the week. Okay, like what, what were my wins this week? What did I learn this week? What am I going to do different next week from this week? Mm. And I just like every Sunday, I just sit down and think about it. I just like it. So, mm. I, I, and then I review like, okay, how am I on my quarterly goals? Like, how am I on my month? Like, how did I do? And I'm, I'm constantly, it keeps me focused on what was my original quarterly goal to begin with. Brilliant. Okay. Yeah. I'll, 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 uh, yeah. Uh, that's, that's fascinating to me that I'm getting advice from a virtual online working <laughs> I know enthusiast to go physical again, but I, I all of my to do list is on Trello. It's all virtual, but yeah, maybe it's you, I, try to go go back physical again. It depends on the. I mean, I'm a tactile person. I yeah. like you know if I, I like the sticky notes and I it's, it just works. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that's that's productivity and keeping you focused. In, in terms of for those people out there um, who who are thinking, great, you know, I'd love to be able to work from home. I guess the motivation for a lot of people is to be able to work from home more. For sure. Yeah. So where do they start, right? Like, what's the, what's the number one place you, you recommend people start? I mean, I know that's not easy because it, it's always in context, but. Well, do you mean like, how did you, how do you convince your boss or how do you, 
start like in terms of like do you set up set up your home office or good yeah good question so let's start yeah what are the the top top three arguments for your boss yeah the 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 thing is you have to when you're trying to convince your boss you really have to think what's in it for them why would they let you do this like what are they going to get from it so uh that you really have to sit down and think through that and then the other one is quantify your work and and then set targets that then you can show that you're just as productive as home as you are in the office. Okay. So demonstrate yeah. yeah, demonstrate, absolutely demonstrate it. And also take it slow. Like don't just say, okay, next starting next week, I'm gonna work from home hundred percent of the time. It can just be starting next week, how about I do one day a week? And then when you do it, be in touch because I think one of the biggest misconceptions is that working from home means that you're out of touch with your office. And what I'd like to tell people is, no, working from home, yeah, maybe you're more focused because you're not distracted by the stuff happening in the office, but you still need to be in touch and responsive and showing that you're present even when you're virtual. So that's the biggest thing I would do is like start small, let your boss know what's in it for them, quantify your work, and then be really over-communicative. Because if you can show that you can do it and that you, they won't suffer because of it, then, uh, then it's just going to be better off for everybody. Okay. And then set up, let's, let's go there. What's, what's the top, top things to, to get going with in terms of setup? Well, one, the mo I would say the thing that you'd want to know most is, um, it's not, you're not going to get it right on the first try. It's sort of a, an iterative process of getting the setup right. Um, the, I did an interview with Jesse Fuel. He's an agile coach in the U.S. And he said that he first tried his setting up his office in the attic. And it was fine. Uh, it was like the perfect place in his house because he was away from things and he had to go up to the attic. But he's a really tall guy and he started to just feel kind of scrunched in the attic. It, it wasn't that it was the small. He just, he just felt scrunched. And now over time, it wasn't working for him. So then he moved his office into the bedroom. And so then he found that he was never leaving his bedroom all day long. Like he would, you know, you go to sleep and then you wake up and then you're, you know, in your, in your room all day. And he was like, that's not working for me either. And it wasn't working for his family either. Um, and so then he built this shed in the backyard. I think it's called a shed quarter. I can't remember the name of it, but he built a shed in his backyard. It was a really small, like two by three meter shed. And then that ended up being his virtual office. So everybody that I've talked to that has set it up has said it's an iterative process. Okay. Because uh, you have to figure out what you like and what you need. And some people also don't like to work from home necessarily. They want to be in a co-working space or in a coffee shop. And you just have to figure out what's your rhythm and, and what do you need. Everybody advises keeping your office and your home life separate. And I, I got to say over time, I, I also think that that's good advice is uh, keeping those things separate so that when you're in the office, you're focused and you're working. And then when you're at home, you know, that you're at home and that you can turn off because that's one of the biggest problems is being always on you know it's like I, you know at night i come and i'm like oh i gotta just check the the i'm gonna just check the weather really quick and then three hours later i'm you know still on the computer somehow <laughs> like i got sucked in again so you have to really put your boundaries up uh when you're working from home or when you're working from anywhere i should say yeah that makes sense yeah okay and in terms of, I know you're a big kit enthusiast. Is there a place to start in terms of kit? I mean, is there one piece that you would suggest people invest in above all else? I mean, you said, I know you've said internet, but. Yeah, internet, for sure, internet. Internet, headset, webcam, um, and then pay attention to lighting. 
that's something that uh, not a lot of people pay attention to because you know if you're in if the window's behind you you've got the witness protection program look going on and uh, you know it's possible but science shows that you're more engaged if you're visible so pay attention to lighting and then also pay attention to your background like you can see that I've got this room divider up here that's because right behind that is my bed and it's just not that professional looking you know people just start you just start to wonder and make assumptions and i just thought oh forget about it let's just make this like now i have this very zen calm room yeah, divider so for people are listening to this there's like a paper device sort of japanese style yeah mm. yeah it feels calming for me so <laughs> so so i put that up and then uh you know i used to travel a lot and with clients and i didn't want them to be distracted by the fact that i was traveling so i took the room divider with me and no matter where i went i would just set it up and then nobody had nobody asked any questions and that's what i wanted it to be because all of a sudden they're you know they're like oh where are you now and you're traveling and they start to worry if their work's getting done and they start you know and i just didn't i wanted to just uh i didn't want that to come up okay so they did they yeah they, Nobody thought never about became it. a question in their mind, right? So didn't even know. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't even know. So yeah, in the home office, I would say quiet background. You know, the barking dog is really cute at first, but uh, it quickly gets in the way of a good conversation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I've got uh, young boys that are 14 months. So. Oh man. Oh man. How long has it been since you've slept? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sleeping gets interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Eight <laughs> hours is a. Uh, it's a fun memory. <laughs> I don't know yeah. how parents do it. I have no idea how they do it. Yeah, but yeah, I'm waiting for that moment. You've seen the BBC guy, right? Who's yeah. being interviewed and the, the kid comes in. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'm convinced I can, have, I can have that moment sooner or later. Yeah. 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 Yeah, he opened up a whole world for people, I think. I mean, it was brilliant that that happened. So Yeah, 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 yeah you're right. It's yeah. great. Final question, Lizette Sutherland for the Being Human podcast. To you, what does it mean to be human? Oh man, I really had to think about that question when I saw your, your pre-interview I thought, oh, what does that mean? And I, I don't know, I can't remember what I answered, but when I was, I was thinking about it also later and there's this image that I found online that just said, we are all beautiful wrecks. And it really struck me because I thought, oh, everybody seems to have their shit together. You know, like you go on Facebook and there's just vacation photos and everybody's beautiful and there's smiling moments. And, and uh, I just have to remember that that's just the facade of people's lives and that everybody's a wreck inside. And it's beautiful. Like it's, you know, I guess that's, I don't, yeah, it just gives me empathy and it, it gives me empathy for myself and it gives me empathy for others to, yeah, to know that they're, on the surface, things look good. And when you dive deep, everybody's got trauma of some sort, like whether you were abused as a child or somebody in your family has died or, you know, there's unfair, life is unfair in so many terrible ways. And uh, yeah, it just makes me appreciate more what I have. Like, oh, I have good health. Like that is awesome. That's a, that's a gift. That's a real gift. You know, those kind of things. It really just makes me grateful. So that's what being human is. We're all beautiful wrecks. Beautiful, wonderful. <laughs> and uh, you've you've been uh, top marks for for plugging. So, but uh, just as a final opportunity for people who want to check you out, learn more, workshops, books. You know, where's the best place to head? Oh, collaborationsuperpowers.com. Everything is there. Everything's there. And uh, yeah, and and definitely get the book. I have to say, I'm. 
I'm not, uh, I don't brag about a lot of things. It's not uh, in my personality, but the book is really good. And I say it's good also because I wrote it with a professional editor, editress actually. Um, and she is amazing. And between like the information that I had from the interviews and the fact that she's a writer, you know, the book ended up being really beautiful, I think. So something I, I really think if you're on a remote team and you're struggling, this book really will help. Fabulous. And Shameless I, 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 plug, I, I, no, no, it's great. I think, you know, for people who are hungry for this more knowledge, then yeah, th this is the place to go. And it's not available. So it's available in the US, right? But, but not elsewhere. Because I tried to get it in the UK and I couldn't get it on a, like a UK Kindle or UK iTunes. Really? That's a, that's a surprise. It should be available everywhere on the Kindle at this point. So yeah, it's a, I will, Maybe I will that's try me. to figure out. I don't know. I'll have to figure it out. If other people are having this problem, let me know. I will make sure you get it. But uh, it should be available as an ebook on Amazon right now. And the print version is coming out. It is like the middle of May right now. The print version is coming out in five weeks. So not the best time for Europe to come out in the summer months, but okay, I'll focus on the U.S. They'll keep, they, they keep working through the summer, those crazy people. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Well, thank you so much for, for, for sharing all that you have to offer in this remote working space. Thank you for your time. I have one question for you, if I oh, may. Oh, go for it. Yeah. I want to know why you started this podcast. I wanted to bring a, a deeper. I wanted to bring a deeper conversation to the to the business discourse, right? I wanted to get. Um, I was very interested in, yeah, delving deeper into delving into places and questions around the human condition um, that maybe we don't normally go to um, in the course of our business conversations. Because personally, the biggest breakthroughs that I've had from a business perspective have actually been the deep personal inquiries. And you talked about trauma and past. So that's, that's actually been, if I'm completely honest with myself, that's been where I've had the biggest breakthroughs from a business perspective. So I want to share that dialogue with, with people, not, not that dialogue, that insight, and then get into dialogue with others yeah. where, we, where we don't bound it into um, purely kind of functional conversations about you know, what works and what doesn't and, and behaviors and and tactics and, and, and techniques, although that's all great. And that's why, you know, you've been marvelous on this podcast. So it's not like I'm excluding that, but I'm, I also want to create this space for deeper conversations. So we've had a couple of therapists on already. Um, we've had, you know, the last guy that we had on was a coach and he talked about, you know, the, the importance of, of deep listening when it comes to leadership. So, so yeah, that's, that's, that's the motivation. Lovely. I yeah. love that. Bringing out people's vulnerable moments for, yeah, for the sake of learning. Yeah. And the fact that you've gone there with, you know, you've openly talked about that, that trauma is a, is a part of life, that we are all beautiful wrecks. And I don't very often have conversations with people at work about the fact we're all beautiful wrecks, for example. Right. Everybody's got their best face on. Yeah. Yeah. And underneath you're like, oh, I mean, I just learned my, the, the woman who is my virtual assistant, her brother just, I just learned he has cancer at the age of 37. You just think like, oh, man, but like knowing that about it, like helps me work with her because I know that she's going through a really incredible time at the moment. And it gives me a lot more empathy and it makes me also want to reach out more. And I, she has said that she's appreciated how much more that I'm reaching out because we know these things about each other. So I think people are scared to share because everything looks so shiny and beautiful on social media. You know, like we're all rock stars on social media, but underneath it all, I think everybody's got some, some shit that they could use help with. Right. I mean, it's there. I mean, I was invited on a podcast uh, 
last week, late last week. And this guy got me to go really deep and I got into my past stuff with alcohol and all this stuff, which I, I never share in the workplace, but I, it's like I shared it on a podcast. Yeah. I just put it on TV, right? <laughs> so yeah. So if I can, if I can make some contribution to opening up that conversation whilst while staying in the business sphere because of course that conversation happens in in therapeutic circles and maybe spiritual circles and there are plenty of places where that that conversation is happening but if i can be a bridge from that from those communities into into the business discourse then you know that's where i see the podcast making its contribution to the world yeah yeah i think that with businesses when you have that kind of relationship with your colleagues that you can talk about these things openly i think that's where the magic happens right that's like a that's a great bond and you know it's a safe space when you can go there mm. yeah those are the colleagues i want to work with like not that i want everybody to be a wreck but i would i do like the the personality it brings and the yeah and the connection it brings mm. Yeah. Lovely. And, well, and thanks so, for doing the podcast. <laughs> thank you. No, thank you for being on it. And thank, thank, thank you for, for your uh, vulnerability in, in, in the course of this conversation. My pleasure. Okay. Lizette Sutherland, thank you again for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. See you next Fist time. Fist bump. See yeah. You next time. <laughs>